You can now take KRB you can now take KRB Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bolchevich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon, and it's another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. And this is the Bose Nose Show coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And uh, I'm your host, Jay Bozovich, Westland County Commissioner. And boy, we've got a packed show of topics today, but it actually is a free-for-all day. So if there's something you want to talk about, give us a call here at the Bose Nose Show at 646-721-9887. Just press one that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation and you're not just calling to listen to us. So get that 646-721-9887 because, you know, it's getting to be that time of year where things get a little crazy as far as uh, legislation and all that stuff. We had State of the Union speeches last night. Um, So there's tons to talk about, but I want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, but I've got a whole list of topics. If you don't call me in and call in and, and, and change the subject to what you want to talk about. So we had a whole list of things we put out on the show. And I want to do one thing first, and that's correct a couple bill numbers we actually put in our, our, our promo for the show today. The actual bill numbers that are that are part of the cap and trade uh, legislation this session, I think we picked up a couple old bill numbers, is House Bill 4001, which is relating to greenhouse gas emissions, and Senate Bill 1507. So if you want to play along and you're going on the Oregon uh, Legislative Information System, better known as OLIS, search for HB 4001 or SB 1507 and you'll find the cap and trade legislation that someone in our legislature thought was a bright idea to try and bring through in a uh, 30-day session or or 35-day session is the short session, uh, which was originally sold to the Oregon voters when they asked us to approve the the annual sessions, that the every other year session, this this 35-day session was supposed to be for adjusting the budget, you know, mid biennium because they felt it was too far apart to go two years because things change in the economy and all that. So it was supposed to be able to make budget adjustments and to be there to pass fix it bills rather than waiting every two years to fix um, laws that might have not been written well or some unintended consequence from a law written in the previous session. So it was sold to the Oregon voters that the short sessions and, and going to an annual session would give us this ability to have these 35-day sessions where we are going to adjust budgets and fix things. And somebody said, you know what? 35 days is enough time to pass a massively complex carbon taxing system with reallocating that money to certain industries that that we decide are better for uh, uh, and and we're going to do that in 35 days. I don't know who thought of that. It was probably the same brainchild that thought we should do a clean fuel bill during the last short session two years ago. And, and that just about scuttled every bit of cooperation between the Republicans and the Democrats in this state for almost two years because they forced that through in a short session. And now they're getting ready to try and do the same thing with something called cap and invest, which is basically a carbon tax. So if you want to read the bills, House Bill 4001, Senate Bill 1507, slightly different, but basically the same concept, sets up a system where 
folks are going to get taxed based on how much carbon their um, business emits or causes to emit. And then those taxes are going to be reinvested by the extra smart people in the state of Oregon that that brought you things like the Columbia River Crossing and Cover Oregon um, in some manner or fashion that's supposed to uh, lower our carbon emissions and improve our economy here in Oregon. In the meantime, I'm sure they're going to have to set up some kind of bureaucracy to collect the taxes, redistribute them, enforce people staying below their caps and all that stuff. Oh, just so much fun for the future of Oregon. And if you can't tell, that was a little bit of sarcasm there. <laughs> oh, I'm in a good mood today. I'm partly in a good mood because I just finished touring a great big cannabis growing facility uh, here in Eugene, Oregon, as we have legalized recreational marijuana in this state. And I was invited to tour a facility that is um, being run by a group that actually got their start in Colorado and uh, are moving into the Oregon market here in Eugene. And they're the ones that actually bought the building in downtown Eugene to open a, a retail store that everybody thought was going to be right in the center of downtown, but the register guard had the wrong location. But actually, no consumption was done in this tour. It was merely a tour, and they didn't even have any plants ready for harvest. So I was out of luck there. Um, <laughs> Not that I partake in, in cannabis anyway, but it, it was a fascinating tour, and, and it kind of always puts you in a good mood when, you, when you're around a group of people that are excited about what they're doing as a business, and that they're innovative, and, you know, they're going to be hiring new people, and that sort of enthusiasm of an entrepreneur, it, it, it rubs off on you. It makes you really excited about the world in some ways, you know, that, that positive outlook of, you know, yeah. we've got a great idea, we've got a great model. And what's interesting about this particular group is they're talking about trying to create a race to the top amongst the uh, cannabis industry, where they're really going for um, a quality run operation, real controls on their, on their inventory, so it's not being diverted in the black market. The storefront they're going to open in, in in downtown Eugene, which is actually going to be right next door to um, coffee shop, believe it or not, on, on Pearl Street, which most people know, and it is actually going to look more like a bank storefront than it's going to look like a pot shop. They don't have a cannabis leaf in their logo. There's no green crosses. There's no get your discount, buy one or whatever type signs. It's very um, innocuous. And it's basically the, the name of the company's Terrapin Care. Um, and it really, really, they're, they're trying to do a quality um, thing, thing with their business where they hope to bring up the standards of the rest of the business. Instead of these um, billboards, you know, along I-5 trying to get people that are that are from states that aren't legal cannabis to come into town and buy from some shop that's offering a sale with great big cannabis leaves and green crosses all over it. They're very low key in their advertising and their their ideas. They're going to target a little bit more of the professionals in, the, in town that are a little bit older maybe and don't want to necessarily be seen walking into some of those places. It's sort of like the difference between um, a good bar that serves a bunch of single malt scotch whiskeys, you know, and and has a really nice atmosphere and the place that's close to the highway that also offers um, live entertainment, shall I say, of, of, of the kind that you have to be an adult to partake, partake in. Um, they're, they're looking to be more at the single malt scotch bar side of the industry and hoping to bring some of the other parts of the industry up to their standards with them as they grow in market share and cause the other guys to kind of compete with them and see that it's better off to be on that side of the market versus that the, uh, the, the loud neon signed uh, 
cannabis leaf emblem type business, you know, and I, I think of one in particular that's down in the Whitaker neighborhood that you can actually see from the Washington Jefferson Viaduct that has Christmas lights spelling out the word buds on the roof of their building so you can see it from the bridge. <laughs> but so kind of a crazy day and you never know what your days are going to be when you're a commissioner but really uh start you know i had a legislative committee at noon today for the board of commissioners where we actually review bills that have been filed pre-session for this upcoming short session and it was a long list of bills but just one of which was the cabinet bill I might get into some of the other bills here as we go on with the radio show but also spent an, a, a over probably about an hour yesterday talking about marijuana regulation during our board meeting because we had a report back from our legal staff and our land use staff on our ability to try and control some of the nuisance issues we're having with some of the cannabis growing operations out in rural Lane County that are, have become our number one nuisance complaint that's called into my offices that's also called into the uh, zoning offices and the sheriff's office uh, when you get right down to it uh, a lot of the calls that we're getting now are coming from cannabis grows not like one that i toured today where it's in an industrial building uh, can't tell from the street what they're doing can't smell it can't see it well-run operation by a, a business oriented group of people that's very much in inventory control what's happening out in rural County is the medical grows that started under medical marijuana when that was first approved by a bill back in 2013 the legislature actually banned local jurisdictions from any time place and manner of the growing side of that they allowed us to control where storefront clinics could be you know that where you could buy your medical marijuana but they wouldn't let us control the grow operations so a lot of them got located in residential areas in rural neighborhoods and unincorporated rural towns and they are growing in greenhouses with no mm -hmm. filtration on them so that it, it, during harvest they put out a lot of odor they're not as well controlled with inventory so uh, the state police uh, in a leaked uh, report have determined that about 80% of the medical growing is diverted into the black market. So these folks are actually under the guise of growing for medical or growing black market uh, pot to be sold to out of state and into states that it's not legal. And it, of course, if you're willing to sell into the black market with marijuana, you might also be willing to deal other drugs. So we're also seeing side issues with heavy traffic all times of the day, uh, people shooting weapons at these at these places where medical pots being grown. And it just, it's been a real problem for um, uh, law enforcement and our nuisance enforcement folks. And then lo and behold, in 2016, they passed a bill that would let us have some time, place and manner control of medical growing. But at that point, there have been three years of folks growing to where any new regulations we pass, we don't grandfather everybody, which is, you know, would be kind of ridiculous. We'd be subject to, you know, ex post facto law claims and, and other issues. And at the same time, even if you weren't growing yet, there's a potential loss of value if we suddenly change a rule to where you can't grow in, in a residential zone, where somebody could claim a loss of of value of their property and file what's known as a measure 49 claim against the county for that loss of value and tie us up in court with legal costs and everything else and eventually might even get a settlement out of the, out of that from the county for that loss of value so our ability to regulate marijuana is really limited under state law so it was it was interesting to listen to this the history of all the various laws versus medical and recreational and looking towards the future, but also trying to think of, you know, can we do something that will prevent these issues? I mean, there's some legal grows out there that are even having issues. Uh, probably the most 
infamous is the one grow operation down near Cottage Grove on uh, North Cedar Park uh, Road. And they, they, they've got their neighbors all upset because they're generators all times of nights. They flying drones for security, but they, they haven't, they've been also flying their drones out over neighbors properties at times um, with cameras and that's unnerved a lot of the neighbors. And the odor from that facility in, in the harvest season has been really bad for the neighbors to deal with. So even legal operations in rec side on farmland have caused problems. But as we look at can we can we regulate them and do more, we still expose the county to this whole issue of a measure 49 claim. And it's really, really a, a difficult issue for the county to walk through and try and provide some relief to some of these folks that, you know, when they purchased their homes 30, 40 years ago, there is no such thing as legalized marijuana and never expected to have to deal with the nuisance issues of having that next door or in close vicinity to their, you know, largest investment of their life for a lot of these folks, which is their American dream, that home that they saved up their money and purchased and they may have been there long enough to actually paid off and were expecting to retire there as you know with with lack of a house payment and next thing you know somebody's growing medical marijuana next door and they can't open their windows in the late summer because they choke on the fumes so it's it's an issue that we that is not going to go away but our options to deal with it uh, uh-huh. all are very, very limited. And in fact, the end result of our work session yesterday was basically to direct our staff to take no further action and monitor monitor any changes in the law. So just kind of curious, you know, threw a couple pieces of red meat out there for you. We can talk about carbon taxes, cap and trading, and whether it's a good idea to try and set up a system during a short session of legislature. I haven't even gotten into what it will actually cost Lane County government and, and eventually uh, taxpayers to reduce, to reduce services because our costs go up, which means we can't. We have a finite amount of revenue coming in. Uh, we, got, something's got to, to break there. And also, we talked a little bit about marijuana here. I'm just curious, uh, you know, what do you guys think about the fact that there's going to be a marijuana retail store in what is considered downtown Eugene? You know. Not in a location that 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 the register guard thought it was going to be in, but certainly it's in what people consider downtown. Is that good, bad, and different? Uh, what do you guys think of the grow operations out in the county? You got any problems with that? Give us a call here at, at, at O's Nose Show, 646-721-9887. Just press 1 to get you in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. We can talk carbon, we can talk cannabis, or we can talk about other things that have been going on. You know, either some of the other bills that are out there relative to uh, everything from video lottery monies for economic development to uh, they've got some bills out there that, you know, change. all sorts of crazy things out there. Some of them uh, have to do with um, you know, diesel emissions from and, and adding 1% to all county contracts to pay for replacement of diesel engines in the state. Uh, kind of like, you know, I, I think we've talked about the 1% for art uh, that, that the state has on some of the larger contracts. This idea is to do 1% for diesel. <laughs> I don't know who came up with that one. Another one that would lift the uh, state prohibition on idling, local idling legislation. So you probably wouldn't know driving from town to town whether you're allowed to let your car idle for 30 seconds or two minutes or whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, that that's another bright idea that's going through the uh, legislature uh, this session, this short session. Again, I, I really thought this was supposed to be about adjusting the budget, fixing any problem bills, and going home. 
but they've turned these short sessions into many long sessions and they're actually trying to deal with some pretty complex um, rate you know, laws that will have long term unintended consequences that they're going to try and ramp through with almost no they don't have time for any hearings or real uh, digest digesting anything. In fact, a lot of the bills that have been filed don't even have economic impacts tied to them yet because the the legislative finance office hasn't been able to do them. And they probably won't get to do them those bills by the time they're they're coming to floor votes. So a couple other things that were on the uh, the docket recently besides cap and trade and cannabis is we actually got our our annual audit report on the public safety levy that supports the jail and our youth services department in Lane County. And it's something that we put into the ballot measure when we sent it to the voters was that we were going to do these audits and they were going to be done by a third party outside of the, you know, through the typical standards for auditing where, you know, we hire a firm that's outside, doesn't have any benefit for the funds or anything like that. They go through all this the standard auditing practices that are under federal and state laws and look at everything and then determine. And we were asking specific questions. One was, did we put all the money from that tax into a separate fund and clearly show where the money came from and that's being kept separate from and not commingled with other funds so it could be easily tracked? Answer that question, yes. We, we we have done that. Two, are we keeping the minimum number of jail beds, local jail beds available we promised we would keep, which was 255? Answer, yes. In fact, we're keeping far more than that right now. And we're actually getting ready to add 50 more because we're, we, we're not going to continue renting 50 beds to the U.S. Marshals Service. We're going to actually uh, drop that contract and convert those to local jail beds. So we're going to be way past 300 local jail beds here shortly. We're at 317 right now. It's going to go to 367. And that's, that's a big improvement over where we were before this, this levy passed. We were down at, at 120 some, I think. It's a, a huge increase. It's made a big difference in, our, in the amount of people that we're having to release purely for capacity reasons. And then we also asked the question, did we maintain the 16 detention beds and 16 treatment beds for youth? And we and the answer to that question was yes. In addition, have we maintained the general fund support for those operations that we had before the levy came into effect? And that was an important question because one of the things people were concerned about was we passed this new tax and then we would divert the general fund that was paying for those services to some pet cause of the commissioners, and it really wouldn't change uh, the level of service. And so we actually have the audit look at that, and the answer to that question is yes, we have maintained the general fund support for the jail and use services. So we're getting that net gain from the tax. It, it's one of those things where it's an opportunity for us to show the people a very clear and transparent third-party report that says, we promised to do this when we asked you to pass this levy, and here's the report from a third party that says, yes, we did everything we promised when we asked you to vote yes. So you can know at least for that part of your property tax bill, the money's being spent exactly the way we said we were going to spend it. So, and I think that's something that Lane County has really made a value. I talked about this last week, how our employee survey for our strategic plan, the, the highest answer to, you know, the rating of values and which one you, you think of Lane County was integrity. And the second was openness and transparency. That's because we've really been pushing hard on, on this, this transparency issue and, and trying to build trust with the voters. And I think audits like we had um, yesterday reported to us, that's one of the ways we're trying to build that trust and trying to set up systems where we have that transparency. So it's really obvious 
that we're doing what we said we were going to do and being good stewards with your tax money. In addition, we have things like there's a place on our website you can go and see every check we write, every credit card transaction, and every deposit we take in so you can see where the money comes from and who it's being written to on a monthly, you know, if the report comes out once a month, every transaction the county makes. So somebody in our human services department charged a bunch on a county credit card, it will show up in that report. You know, if we purchase a bunch of asphalt for our public works department, the check that was written to that company will be in that report. So, you know, every transaction's there. And, and you see exactly where the money's being spent in Lane County and follow the money if you want to. A lot of transactions, though, we're a pretty big organization. But just for pure transparency purposes, if you wanted to look and look, you know, look for that place where somebody's uh, buying tickets to Hawaii and, and using their, their uh, county credit card for greens fees in Maui, uh, you can look there. I doubt you'll find that because we've got pretty, pretty uh, uh, secure controls on our county credit cards. We would probably find that out pretty quickly. And I imagine anyone that did something like that would not stay at the county very long. But if you wanted to look for that kind of corruption, the records are there online. You can look for it yourself. And that's something we have a big value around is that transparency. So we get Cargan, we got public safety audits, we got marijuana and pot. But I want to talk, you know, speaking of pot, I want to talk about burning a little bit. But coming up next week is going to be a public hearing at the Lane Regional Air Protection Agency around noon, a little afternoon there. And it's going to be about changing the open burning regulations in the Eugene urban growth area. That's the area between the city limits and the urban growth boundary. And the place that probably has the most impact is in River Road in Santa Clara area. And what they want to do is limit the amount of people that can actually open burn during the months you're allowed to open burn in those areas and and there's a lot of folks out there that have semi-rural properties that do some minor farming and stuff and maybe even some orchards and having the ability to burn brush is a kind of an important aspect of being able to keep their properties clean and fire safe and everything else and one of the things they're looking at is right now you can do that if you have a parcel that's greater than a half acre and they're talking about raising those limits up to uh, an acre or three acres or even 10 acres. Um, and that really will take away the ability to open burn for a fair amount of people in the, that area because there's, as you get up in parcel size, there's less and less parcels uh, that are that big. So if you live in that area of U Eugene and you're interested in um, Keeping your ability to open burn, you might want to pay attention. If you're one of those people that hates open burning and you want to come and, and testify about making that, that more restrictive, just an opportunity for you. That's going to be next Thursday at the Lane Regional Air Protection Agency building, and that's right at 10th and Main Street in Springfield. Uh, if you go to their website, there's probably more information there. If you go into about um, and go to the, the the LRAP board that you can get to our agenda and they'll have all the details there. If you're interested in, in, in open burning in that area, I just wanted to, to let people know about that, get that out there. And that probably gets me to a couple final topics I'm going to throw out there, but I really, you know, this is a free for all day. I'd like to see you call in 646 721 just for one, let's Robin know that you want to get in on the show here on the Bose Nose Show and talk to me, Jay Bozovich, your West Lane County Commissioner. Again, that's 646-721-9887. Just press one. And 
I want to touch briefly again on the initiative process because once again, we had all the folks from Community Rights Lane County come in, and I, I've I've heard from some people that actually watched the county commissioners meeting online, and folks that actually agree with what they would like to do, which is ban aerial spray in Lane County, but were highly um, concerned and a little bit offended by the tone of some of the testimony yesterday and the um, just the, the the abuse that they threw at at the board of commissioners and it was based on the fact that the previous week and testimony they've been asking the board of commissioners to hold a work session about possibly referring an ordinance to the ballot in November. And the commissioners later on in the day chose to set that work session for the first possible work session day after the May election, because there's a possibility that these two initiatives may get on the May election as charter amendments, not ordinances. And that apparently didn't sit well with them. They thought we should have the work session much sooner and they kind of moved the goalposts, so to speak. And they actually sent us a letter over the weekend that actually revealed some of why they wanted to move the timing up was so they could use it as a political issue in the upcoming May primaries. And, and that really started to get me a little bit on, on edge. And then just some of the abuse they hurled at us, things that we were holding up people's right to the initiative when we haven't done anything. In fact, we've actually offered to help them and still they're claiming that somehow or another we're holding up their rights to initiative when we've taken absolutely no action our clerk has actually been very helpful to the petitioner in getting their petitions ready to go out for signatures getting their signatures verified there's nothing we've done as a county that would hurt the rights of folks to to carry out the initiative process as it's outlined under Oregon law. So that said, uh, one of the things that they still have the ability to do is to go out, collect signatures and place that on the ballot themselves as an ordinance. They don't have to ask the board to. So it was, it was an interesting meeting yesterday, but um, it's interesting and we are actually going to hold a work session sooner but we're mostly we're not going to so much talk about uh, referring those to two particular initiatives right now the the work session we've set is just going to talk about the initiative process in oregon and also just how what the history of these two uh initiatives have been relative to any actions of the board and what the board's role has been so we can get it out there and make it crystal clear somewhat what our roles are as the Board of Commissioners in the initiative process and really how little we have to do with that in, in many ways. So that was you know, something I just wanted to throw out there. So if you want to talk to me about the, the two initiatives, the aerial spray and the community rights and the initiative process, referral process, charter amendment versus um, ordinance, they're terms that people keep confusing and mean different things. And because they mean different things and are legal terms, they have different laws applied to them. And people keep mixing them up and not understanding the roles of the board in involving those four terms and when they're intermixed with each other. So would love, you know, if you want to talk about that, we can talk about that. We can talk about carbon capture best bills, we can talk about public safety audits and the jail levy, we can talk about cannabis production, or there were a couple speeches last night that sort of have been dominating the news today. I mean, half of the, the, the almost the entire national news on the hour on the radio was all State of the Union speech stuff. And then the local news came on, this was our local radio station, and they spent over half of their newscast on the State of the Union. You would think it was the only thing that happened yesterday. But it was interest. It was an interesting speech. 
I got to watch it live for the first time in a while. I haven't had a, really watched many State of the Unions in the last several years, partly because they, they're so set and so difficult to watch at times. And, you know, the, the same sort of thing, you know, where depending on who the president, what party the president is, one party cheers at almost anything they say. He said, and, yay! <laughs> And the other party sits on her hands and frowns no matter what he says. He said, apple pie and mom. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's theater of the absurd, you know, at, at best. But I have to say, I was surprisingly shocked at what a good speech it really was. And, and I was expecting... I guess low expectations, and after the last year's speech, I didn't have a really high expectation, and it seemed to be, you know, a speech that very much was hopeful uh, and inspiring people to be hopeful, and, and talking about the success and and. You know the people that were were called out in the audience. You know the heroes and and the people that you know. It, it was pretty am amazing speech. But what was somewhat amazing was how he manipulated the folks that are his detractors. I've I've mentioned this before that I think that if there's one the people that think Donald Trump's stupid and, and and you know, I don't care whether you like his politics or not like his politics. The man is a genius at manipulating other people in a lot of ways. I mean, I talked about it last year when the women's march was going to be the major news of the weekend, and he tweeted out that, and started arguing with the press about how many people attended the inauguration two days before that. And that became the news story of the weekend was arguing about how many people actually attended the inauguration while there were a couple million people marching on Washington in the Women's March. He completely took the press in the wrong direction, you know, just over a non-issue and, and made and, and, and took away the spotlight from what would have been a major news story if he hadn't thrown out this red meat thing about arguing over the number of people that intended the inauguration. He did something very similar last night in the way he knew that the Democrats were going to react to his speech. He threw some things in very early in this. Any American watching, whether you are Democrat or Republican, could not understand why you would not clap at what he said. When he mentioned the record low unemployment for African-Americans in this country and the record low unemployment for, you know, uh, Hispanics in this country, that should have been something that even the Democrats could have stood up or politely applauded because, you know, I don't care if, you know, yeah. yeah. Taking credit for it might be premature. He's only a year into his presidency. It may have been set up by, you know, Obama policies, or there is, it's just a, a function of the background economy, which presidents don't have a lot of control over. Uh, you, however you want to put it, it's still a piece of good news because there have been such disparity between the overall population's unemployment rate and these two minorities' unemployment rate, and that gap closed significantly in the last year. And that that should be good news to anybody. But the fact that he threw those in early in the speech and they were seen sitting on their hands, frowning and looking disgusted and whatever else on camera, set the tone that they were just so partisan that they couldn't like anything. So when he did say something that was probably worthy of them not cheering, it didn't. It just looked like another part of their theater. You know, so that it was it was a spectacular piece of manipulation. 
and led to polling after the speech showing that 75% of the people that watched the speech thought it was approved of it. And even the Democrats, that was 43% approval from Democrats. So it, it, it was, it, it was an amazing piece of, of manipulating uh, the press and knowing what the camera was going to do and knowing that they were going to show those people not reacting. And then also just keeping the speech on this hopeful, positive sort of, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, we've done these things where, you know, the economy's growing, America's doing all wonderful things, jobs are coming back from this country. And to keep that going, we want to do this, this, and this, and this. And, and you know, those are the places where the Democrats, if they had been a little bit more supportive in the early speech, when it was a policy he announced they disagreed with, booing it later in the speech or hissing or, or sitting on your hands didn't have as much impact because you were so reactive early in the speech where you couldn't clap for anything. Yeah. When he started talking about the wall and you guys were kind of booing about that or, or crowning, that was in juxtaposition position to the fact that you couldn't cheer record low unemployment for some minorities. Uh, can I jump in here for a sec? Sure, Robin. Um, one of the, the other thing that it shows, too, is that the Congress people that decided to boycott, uh, including our own Blumenauer, um, that should say something about your representatives. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, I don't know if I would sit through a, a State of the Union speech so much as a congressperson. I mean, really, what's the function there? But I guess it's something... It's interesting to see the way the State of the Unions work. Once upon a time ago, the State of the Union was delivered by letter to Congress from the executive office. Yeah, it was never, it was never intended to be this spectacle it's become in the modern age. And, and it was kind of one of the, and it used to be very brief. State of the Union is doing well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just uh, one one thing that this presidency has shown, in my opinion, is how much the not just Democrats, but a few Republicans, too, are acting like children. Yeah. But it, and it's not that I, I support the way President Trump handles himself a lot of times that, you know, some of his tweets are so seem so unnecessary, his tone. Seems, you know, he gets right into the childish acting sometimes, too, with the name calling and the denigration, et cetera. But, yeah, it it, it, it has really exposed just how childish it can get in times. Yeah. Where you offer something to the Democrats that is beyond what they were asking for a couple of years ago, but because it is a Republican president offering it. It's racist and a horrible idea. Yeah, turn the tables. If it was Obama and, and people are treating him like that, you'd be a racist even for thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's just, you know, five years ago, Democrats were supporting the idea of a physical barrier on our, on our southern border. And now they don't. But, you know, one, one thing you're talking about, going back to speeches and the way they're done, one of the hardest speeches, I think, or style of speeches, I think, to sit in, in front of is when they're doing this format. And I really feel that, yeah, yeah, what, what, uh, that we should move forward and, come on, finish it. <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit painful, and I saw some Facebook criticism of, of his uh third grade reading capabilities or something like that about how slow he read that and 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 sounding like Christopher Walken. <laughs> or uh um oh god it was Ed Sullivan. We got a really big shoe tonight. Yeah. Well it just seems some of the, the, the cadence was really slow at times of his of his speech. And and he did a couple times like when he um 
called CJ DJ and said he oh he answers to both names or something like that. <laughs> it was like, okay. I mean, it was it wasn't what I would call a shining example of oratory um, prowess. Yeah. But if you think about whoever devised the strategy to throw in those things early on to test the Democrats and see what their response was going to be and to kind of show that, you know, they won't even stand up for mom. And, and they threw it in at the end, too. That was kind of he sandwiched it. He had those things at the beginning that almost anybody could go, why aren't they cheering? And at the end, when he talks about, you know, the flag and in God we trust and and things that are, you know, national mottos and stuff, and they're still, you know, pasted to their seats frowning, it, you know, that it, 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 it gave you that, you know, for the viewer, that impression was the first impression you got of the Democrat caucus that was sitting there and the last impression you took away. Right. Well, just like uh, man on the street interviews that uh, people that hate Trump, when asked why, you go, well, I don't know, I just hate him. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Trump sycophant. Everything he does is not wonderful and apple pie for me. In fact, I, I have concerns about his infrastructure bill. I have some concerns about uh, some of the, issues around indefinite detention he talks about and some of his his national security stuff uh his even his thing about um government workers and being able to get rid of government workers that he talked about boy that that could be so abused and and needs to at least have some kind of um due process and a and a and a counterbalance to because it would be really easy just to kind of have bad bad supervisors or um, whatever start you know you're not doing your job we're getting rid of you whatever you know you, if you make it too easy to get rid of people it can also have a downside and actually develop uh, dysfunctional government in another way if just everybody too scared of their own shadow and it just, it, that one when he when he said it it really kind of bothered me a little bit it also bothered me when they started chanting usa usa you know that that's like wow there were speeches in the reichstag where people chanted <laughs> yeah but you know i like some of the stuff he does i don't approve of some of the stuff he does but i agree with you is at least nice to hear some positive come out of yeah. the come out of the White House. Yeah, and and that was in that pot and, and that the idea of of American exceptionalism and Western ideals being a good thing, capitalism being a good thing. Those are you know just how much that that is not enough in our society that you know that to me was was great to hear some of that cheerleading for you know what we you know what our how special our country is yeah, I mean, yeah america's made mistakes we treated our native americans poorly although almost every country in the world has had issues with with that in their history um, we held on to slavery too long in this country there's been racial divides in this country. Those happen all over the world, but the level of freedom we developed in this country as early on as we did, and the economic mobility of individuals in this country is like no other country in the world. We didn't have a permanent elite class like Britain did with their aristocrats and their people that were the landowners and stuff where it was difficult to go from uh, somebody that was a farmer's uh, child to being a multimillionaire. Mm. America has always had that where you could almost go from nothing to having everything you wanted if you just applied yourself. And there it is, and it, and it still changes every day. You yeah, look you, at our richest people in America are running companies people hadn't even 
thought of 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. The, the, the owners of Facebook, the Google, uh, Amazon. Bitcoin. You know, all of that stuff is just, you know, things people, and, and those folks, you know, who knows what, where they came from and where they, you know, look at where they are now today. Yeah. And then there's people that, that go the other direction. You know, there's you know, companies that have just, you know, gone wayside and, and, and you know, so it, it, this idea that there's some fixed 1% out there that's controlling all the, all the, the, the money in the world. In America, that moves up and down. People move up and down the ladder and have the ability to. It could be easier if we could back away from some of the regulations, because one of the things we've done is we've made the American dream harder of owning your own home and having a family and making sure that your children are better off than you were as a child. That That's the American dream. But we've done things like in Oregon here with our land use laws that are driving up the cost of housing that make it harder to have that home. And because of that cost of housing, it's also more difficult to get ahead so that your child, you know, this is the first generation growing up now, millennials, where they may not actually be better off than their baby boomer parents. And will they actually be able to afford a home? Yeah. So we're, you know, we're on the edge of losing the American dream. And I think, you know, some of the things he talked about, about that, those positive things last night, and just that whole idea of getting back to what made the American dream possible, the freedom, and particularly the economic freedom we, we have here in America, that's how you have mobility. Right. And that's how people can, you know, have success through hard work. And the, the thing is, is, you're right, our, our history isn't exactly, you know, made with white gloves. But the thing is, a the best thing to do is to learn from your mistakes you know, learn from history. So you don't repeat it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of one of those things where if you start taking down, you know, things just because they make some people uncomfortable, yeah. like monuments about the civil war, where if the monuments aren't there and people aren't learning the history of the civil war, we're going to run into that situation sometime in the future. Under, not understanding, you know, yeah just what led to the Civil War. Right. Why people fought that war. You know, if we, if we, it, it's just one of those things where I, I, I hate seeing pieces of history destroyed. Exactly. Yeah. And because it can be repeated. I mean, that's how, there, there's always, unfortunately, there's always evil in the world and people wanting power. And when you forget about the history and you go and, put your head in the sand for a safe space that makes it easier for a tyrant to come in. And, and next thing you know, you're under communist rule or some type of a rule. You know, you've lost your freedom, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Some kind of autocratic rule, whether it's an economic system of communism or if it's a theological autocratic rule, like in Iran, that, you know, that still you're allowing that to come in. And, and, and that, you look at things like, like, the Middle East and the whole issue with religion. I ju I'm just finishing up um, Ken Follett's new book that kind of goes through uh, the era of Queen Elizabeth and the battle for religious tolerance that went on in England between Protestants and Catholics um, and Europe at that time. Wow, the similarities between what's happening between Christians and Muslims in the Middle East and, and the fact that some regimes go like France did for a while, where they went into the extreme Catholics and they were burning Protestants at the stake, you know, while there were other, you know, Queen Elizabeth's England, where she tried to be more tolerant of, of you know, religious practice and was driven into having to be less tolerant towards the end of her reign of, of Catholicism because of what was being fomented by French and Spanish uh, Catholics in her country. And, and she was, had to kind of keep an eye on and crack down on the Catholic community in England because it was becoming almost like a terrorist community. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you, you think of the parallels to, to current history and, and these regimes that have become, you know, ultra Muslim and, and are on the far end of, of, of some of the Muslim spectrum and Islam and then countries that are trying to be tolerant and then mm-hmm. there's that tolerance isn't being tolerated by the intolerant extremists of these other countries. So they're sending people there to disrupt the system and it's leading to changes in laws and things like extended detention facilities in Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> you know, that, you know, we were seeing something very similar happening in the uh, late 16th century Queen Elizabeth England as towards the end of her reign where she was imprisoning Catholics as a preventive measure to uprisings. Yeah. Rule by fear. Yeah. And it's, it's history repeating itself in some ways. Yeah, exactly. And next thing you know, you start giving up your freedom. The government's watching you everywhere from cell phones to uh, 17 cameras on 6th, 7th, and 11th. Yep. And then that power can be abused. And it would be interesting to see when the uh, memo from Nunes comes out on the FBI and whether or not they actually use their power to get FISA warrants against somebody in a political campaign. That's right. And that, you know, that if once you set up that system to be able to spy on your own citizenship based on the, the fear of this extremism, you actually set up a system that can be easily misused for political purpose, financial gain, you name it. Exactly. So there you go, folks. Proof once again that we can talk about anything on this program and do. Yeah. Just call 646-721-9887. we got about two minutes left in the Bose Nose Show, and we'll talk about what you want to talk about. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. You know, KRBN Internet News Talk Radio. If you throw that in the Facebook search or just KRBN, it'll probably start filling in the rest of it in the search. And find us on Facebook and like us, and you'll get our notifications. And you can also email us between shows at talk at krbnradio.net. And uh, what's that app you can get there, Robin, that you can listen to the shows on? You can download player.fm on your Android app. I believe it's available on iPhone as well. And do a search for KRBN, and you'll have access to a lot of our past shows. Yep, where we talk about all sorts of crazy things. That's right. We've even talked about my poodles now and then. Yes, and we've had people call all the way from Africa. So um, if somebody from Africa can call us, you guys from Lane County can call us too. So there, there's your challenge. Looks like we got somebody calling in right now. Let's try and catch them while we got a minute or so left in the show. Of course. All righty. We'll take take it live. Hello. There we go. Call on the air. Hi, my name is Sue Brad, and on Blog Talk Radio, it shows that you have 31 minutes still left. <laughs> oh, that's because we, we we set the show for 90 minutes so that if we do run over, it doesn't cut us off in mid sentence. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good to yeah, know. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that if set it for 60 minutes, it will cut you off in mid-sentence. And, and it, particularly uh-huh. when we get a late call on the show, we don't like to cut them off. We went actually about five minutes over last week because we had a, two calls right at the end of the show. So what what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Doesn't that always figure? I have a show on Blog Talk myself and at Suzette Live Talk. And um, at the State of the Union, I was really pleased with what I heard. Um, it's basically... He worked to unite the country. I don't know what Democrats, what State of the Union they were listening to, but after the State of the Union, when they were going on their little shows and interviews and whatnot, um, they heard something else. I don't know how, but <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah, I I did think he took a, a uniting um, tone, and he offered some huge compromises and some things that most Republicans, 
you know, somewhat cringed at, you know, the, the $1.5 trillion infrastructure bill. The Democrats have been talking about doing an infrastructure bill forever. And then he mm-hmm. offered the amnesty for the dreamers and, and a larger number of them was in the previous um, system and a path mm-hmm. to citizenship for them. Yeah, that, yes, but I like the fact that the, he controlled it, though. It was controlled, so that was good as far as the, the give and take. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, you know, they had to make sure we weren't just taking everybody in, these folks that are um, participating in illegal activities, you know, making sure we do some background checks and see if they've actually been arrested, you know, for Stealing drugs or whatever else. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of plus sense. It, it was. Yes, plus it'll take 12 offer. years for them to, to apply for citizenship. Or they'll apply, but it's going to take them 12 years um, to, to complete the process, which is good because that means that they're not going to be put ahead of the people that have already been waiting and, you know, going through the process the proper way. So I was pleased to hear that. Yeah. yeah. So was there anything else that you, you heard in there besides the uniting tone that you liked on the speech? I liked um, the fact that he's going to be pursuing um, less expensive pharmaceuticals for people. That's going to help big time as far as the whole the health care, Obamacare that some people were just so attached to. But the other people that were actually paying for those people we're real, real thrilled about. Well, now it's going to be more affordable. The tax cut reform, awesome. Um, there's so much giving back to these little companies, big companies. There's a um, uh, article in the Washington Examiner that goes down the list from big banks to city banks, from um, pipe uh, plumbing companies, you know, to little real estate land companies and and employees from four to, you know, 2,600 or 26,000. And so it doesn't matter what the amount is. Some are getting a 1,000, some are getting less. But are you going to go to work and say, when your boss is here, I got a bonus for you. Here's $300. You're going to say, oh, no, that's pittance. I don't want it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're a multi-millionaire, sure. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how people um, think of the tax cut bill next mm-hmm. month when they get their first paychecks that actually reflect that. Because one of the things that's interesting is I do payroll for my wife's business with QuickBooks, and we actually don't uh-huh. have tables yet for the, mm-hmm. the new tax bill because it takes about a month for them to upgrade their software. So everybody uh-huh. is still getting their withholding based on the old tax system. February, all those updates are going to be in place, and people are going to see a change in their withholding. And that that is, so suddenly they're going to see an increase in their take-home pay. Mhm. Yeah. So, that I didn't know that. That's good to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'll be interesting to see how people react. Over- sure. Sure. Yeah. Especially because anybody who received a raise as of the tax cut reform companies that delve out raises or inc- rate increases, which there were quite a few that did that in addition to the bonuses. Um, so now they got the bonus, the pay increase and the tax new tax reform. So it's like, cha-ching, yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the reality I is, can spend, as, I, can spend, I, can I guess some polls, some polls said that most people don't even have $500 of, if an emergency comes up. Yeah, that's scary, isn't it? It really is. We were fortunate, I mean, that we had positioned ourselves just before uh, Obama had taken first office the first time around, and we had received the settlement, and so we paid off all the bills except for um, the, what do you call it, Uh, house mortgage uh, property tax and just regular utilities. Otherwise, we'd probably be buried right now. You know, we don't have any bills, so that's good. Yeah, you're one of the fortunate few. Well, I really appreciate you calling into the Bose Nose Show. We've got another caller waiting to get on the air here. But before you go, you want to give a quick elevator pitch for your program? Oh, Saturdays at 8 p.m. She's at Live Talk. Uh, it's 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
talk about topics big and small. We talk about them all. <laughs> and I'm Suzette LT. Thank you, guys. Um, can you just mute my mic because I'm all listening right, on my phone and I want to continue to listen. Thank you. Absolutely. Right. Call again. Thank you. Okay, we got we got another caller. We're just going to go ahead and jump in there live. And caller, you're on the line with uh, Lane County Commissioner Jay Bolchevich. Great. Uh, Sherry out in Florence, and I, I don't want to change the subject again. I, I do want to change it, though, to a local issue. But first, I want to say Americans are dreamers, too, and I thought it was a great speech last night in all kinds of ways. Um, my question, my local question is we received a notice in the mail about a hearing regarding F2 land and some changes, many of which are just word changes, I think, and then something to do with um, oh, the, uh, the permitting process for dwellings and, and that kind of thing. And I just wondered if, if that's something we do have, uh, we are living on F2, actually. We had followed all the requirements and built on it, and it was wonderful. The county was really great with, in working with us on that. And just wanted to know uh, if you could summarize the changes for me. Ooh. You catch me a little oh. bit cold, Sherry. Uh, I do know that okay. we're making I'll... some changes to, to code that, that are making our code match state law. As as the legislature Great. meets and enacts new laws, we have to, to catch up mm -hmm. to it. So mm -hmm. I believe that's okay. what those changes are. But I, I will, oh. I, I'll have to get back to you on that because you're catching me cold. I wasn't aware that we had a notice out on that. Okay, it's probably something uh, simple and, uh, and and not much. And if it were something really big or something to worry about, uh, you would have gone, oh, that, let me tell you. So that's great. I'll catch up with yeah. you later on it then. Thank you. Yeah, Bye. That, I think that's just some of our oh. statutory updates. Thanks, Jerry. Oh. All right. Well, we're, we're actually running over here on the Bo's Nose Show. But it was great to get a couple phone calls in right at the end there. Uh, kind of wish folks would call me at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Detail. Seems like the last two shows we get the phone calls in the last two minutes. Um, but it was great to have a couple phone calls here because uh, uh, that's really when the show's good is when we have somebody call in and we can have a conversation. When it's just me spouting off for an hour uh, on every topic under the sun. We, I, it's educational because I do cover a lot of background stuff and go deep on what's going on in Lane County. It's always better when you call in at the Bo's Nose Show here every Wednesday, live at 4 o'clock on KRP Internet Radio. And I want to thank you all for listening, and hopefully we'll get to talk to you next Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Have a great week. Don't forget that we're broadcasting live on Facebook. So we'll see you next week.